Good morning, everyone. This is Nick Fortini. I'm the president and publisher of Columbus Business First, and I'd like to welcome our table of experts for today's discussion on data centers. Um, today, we, uh, we have representatives from three of the leading data center operators uh, operating in Columbus, and we'll introduce them in, in a moment. A couple of, of uh, stats. According to the datacentermap.com, there are now 71 co-location data centers from 10 areas uh, in Ohio. Of those, one-third or 23 are located in the Columbus market. Um, and according to 451 Research's data center market sizing forecast model, uh, the co-location market is forecast to grow uh, by about 11% yearly on a square footage basis through 2018. Uh, so with that as a backdrop, uh, we'll talk about the basics of the, of the solid service offering, uh, which includes reliable and resilient power and cooling capabilities. Uh, physical security and cybersecurity, uh, disaster recovery, uh, connectivity strategies that allow for choice of carriers, and networking strategies for systems in and outside the data center, uh, including public cloud services. So we'll touch on all of these in our conversation and, and I'm sure many other topics this morning. Uh, so congratulations to all of you on your success this year and your success uh, in the industry. Uh, thanks for the jobs that you bring to our local economy. Um, we're going to go around the table and introduce you. So we'll start with Graham, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and talking a little bit about your company and your role. Sure. I'm Graham Williams, Chief Operating Officer of Cologix. Cologix is a uh, network-neutral co-location platform with data centers um, in nine markets across the United States, typically in um, edge markets that provide alternatives to the traditional legacy tier one markets of New York and Chicago and San Francisco. Um, so in the United States, we're in Columbus, Minneapolis, Jacksonville, Dallas, and New Jersey. And in Canada, we have a presence in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Terrific. Thanks. Phil? Uh, Phil Smith. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Rack Square Data Centers. Uh, we are a local, regional-focused uh, data center company. Uh, we, uh, in terms of what we're serving, we're serving colos, we're serving managed services, we're doing cloud solutions as well, uh, and we do a lot of virtualized environments and infra infrastructure as a platform. Pri primarily, we're seeing a big uh, boost in terms of legacy ap applications, legacy platforms like the AS400. People don't know what to do with those. Cloud isn't necessarily the definition of cloud today. It doesn't necessarily include those legacy platforms. We have a solution for that. Okay, terrific. Jason Harris with Theranet. Uh, we uh, primarily service the Central Ohio market in cloud uh, co-location um, and a combination of the two. Uh, one of the few providers that will actually allow you to connect your equipment with our cloud environment. You can use your, for an example, you can use your storage and our processing power. Sure. Terrific. Uh, well, why don't we just... Uh start with the basics um, and just talk about what are, what are the business drivers today um, of companies using data center solutions like yours and, and how has that changed or evolved you know over the course of the past 12, 24, 36 months? Maybe we'll just start with you again, Graham. Sure. I mean, uh, we see a couple of, of key trends in the market. Um, specifically to enterprises, we see two. One is the enterprises um, have historically not had um, really good options to outsource their data centers in terms of reliable supply. If you look back five, 10 years ago, many um, very sophisticated enterprises were building their own data centers 
in their own offices, in some cases in closets, um, and have come to realize now over time that that doesn't provide the reliability that they're looking for as their applications become more mission critical. And also, um, as their equipment becomes end of life, there's some very interesting conversations happening between CIOs and CFOs now um, about whether they should reinvest to rebuild their own data centers as opposed to outsource to, to third-party colos. Um, so that is one major driver of enterprises outsourcing for the first time. We also see an overlay trend, which is enterprises trying to figure out how to tap into the power of cloud services. And that I think we're, we, view, we view that as... Uh, being very early innings of enterprises figuring that out and how to harness that appropriately for their own applications. But what we see is enterprises don't, for the most part, know what they're going to be looking for over the course of the next four, five years, but they sure know that they need lots of choice with low switching costs. So they're looking to future-proof that decision now. Mm -hmm. And if you bring those two together, that creates a very interesting conversation around what those enterprises need as they're looking for outsourced data centers. And I imagine that, that brings the discussion about legacy uh, to the table as well. Well, it absolutely does. But I, I think, um, and I think the other thing, and to, to kind of go on Graham's point of view around the, the enterprise, I, I think enterprises have found that things like disaster recovery, you know, socks and those sorts of things around the, 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 the compliance requirements make you think about these things. But I think there's a lot of people who you know, basically found out that, gee, you know, our backups aren't even working. Uh, gee, you know, we haven't figured out how to make all these things work together. Uh, it's really hard to make those things work together. People are retiring in the world of legacy applications, like AS400 applications, those kinds of things. So I think we're, 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 we're at this crossroads of, you know, what I'm looking, you know where, where's it going to be in the future? I've got massive investments in some of my past. Um, the, the CFO conversation is, well, why am I in the data center business at all? Uh, and a lot of the answers have been, well, we spent a lot of money on this stuff, and there's nowhere to take it. And so I think now that people are finding opportunities to say, there's an options here for me to do some hybriding, right? And the hybrid cloud is a very real type of thing where I'll to keep some of it, I'll let you have some of it. Um, security is a huge issue as well. A lot of people like to, as a CIO myself, I'd like to outsource my security and not be the guy responsible 100% for it because there's some very, very uh, costly uh, aspects to that if I do it wrong. And so I think those are all, the, the risk component here is also a big issue. So people are looking at risk and saying, wow, why can't I outsource that risk and eliminate a lot of the risk on me uh, and, and do it that way? So I think all those things are in play. Legacy, um, disaster recovery, risk management, and, and really cost. Yep. Jason, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah. Outside of the enterprise market, if, when you look at the small, medium-sized businesses, which is primarily where we play, um, the owners, the people that are making these decisions are finally understanding that they don't need to have servers. They don't need to have a data center. They don't need to even do co-location in a lot of cases. They're moving everything to the cloud. When you look at doing upgrades or look at doing a hardware refresh, it doesn't make sense anymore. And they're seeing that, you know, why would I have this here in my office or have this even in a case of co-location possibly, when they can use new hardware, they can use new services, they can get managed service, they can get help from outside. Right. You, you know, in the medium market, too, there's an expertise issue here in the medium and small market. You know, they may not have the bodies to do this or the expertise, and so an opportunity to outsource that for the same money got a huge value. 
So is the, the application in the cloud driving the conversation or is the physical data center driving the conversation or is it different depending upon the case study? Well, for us, it's, it's really the physical infrastructure starts the conversation of what does my roadmap look like for my IT infrastructure, particularly where it's been in, in, insourced originally. But then the, the question of what does that look like over time becomes very prevalent very quickly. What we're seeing is um, almost across the board, companies of all sizes are, are getting comfortable with the idea of a hybrid model. They're not ready to move all of their applications to the cloud um, because the, many of them have security um, concerns, many of them have um, application robustness concerns. I mean, the, the cloud, we talk, and I'm sure we'll get into what the cloud really means, but um, for the most part, we're seeing cus customers looking for a hybrid solution where they have some of their infrastructure, they manage it, their own equipment, they leverage a cloud provider, and in most cases, they're looking to leverage multiple cloud providers because the really sophisticated users now are understanding which applications need um, a more commoditized uh, compute and storage application versus, in many cases, there are a number of very interesting niche cloud providers or application-specific service providers that are coming into the mix. And so um, the enterprises and medium-sized businesses that we talk to look at that as how do I put my, how do I make a data center decision that gives me maximum flexibility, take advantage of all of those. Um, and change it over time, which really gets to switching costs. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think there's also, uh, the other thing that's happening in enterprises is I'm going to call it shadow IT, right? The marketing department wants to go do something, and the IT organization isn't ready or isn't flexible or can't do it in the time frame they want. And so cloud becomes, you know, and really software as a service becomes a real viable opportunity there. Um, I think in the... IT-centric world, uh, and you know, people who are CIOs are saying, well, wait a minute, I, I need to have my arms around that in some way, so how do I become more flexible, more agile, more nimble? And so we see that happening, and so I think, I think there's, the problem is for the IT organization is there's an awareness of the cloud out everywhere else. So the, the, the good news is the cloud's got a great marketing partner somewhere out there, and, and they're really you know, selling it. And so I think um, it's one of those things that if I don't understand it, it's going to happen to me rather than me happening to it as a CIO. Mm -hmm. and so I think we're seeing a lot of that happen. So it's, so it's out there. Um, I also think as we start talking about these things, we get back to the CFO conversation with the CIO Absolutely. saying, well, wait a minute, there's these cloud things that can do this for X dollars. Uh, why aren't we doing that? Or do I really need to be in the data center business anymore? So these two things are kind of converging mm -hmm. and really kind of forcing people to think about how do I do this? Why do I want to do it? Um, and that's why things like the hybrid cloud, it's a tone of water for a lot of IT organizations, but they've got to understand this because it's going to go faster than they're going to be able to handle it otherwise. And maybe just to put a, 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 an additional point on to, to what Bill said, that CFO conversation in, in our view is really what starts the overall conversation. Um, and it's more robust than should our company be in the business of owning and operating servers it extends to all of the support structure and infrastructure behind that. Should a, should a company that is not um, a data center expert company own generators and be responsible for maintaining them to make sure that they stay up? Is a company whose you know, primary um, core competency outside of maintaining air conditioning units, why would you spend time and energy um, maintaining, buying, procuring those sorts of in core infrastructure elements when 
you could place that investment somewhere else and outsource the, the underlying infrastructure. And that is, a, that is a very key question for a lot of these companies who didn't have a choice before. Said, okay, well, I've got to go buy an air conditioner for my closet because that's what happens. Now there's a, there's a broad um, supply of options in the market, particularly in markets like Columbus, where there's a new supply that's fundamentally different from five years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's a leverage play there too, right? So I, I'm paying 100% of the, of the generator cost. Now I'm only paying a slice of that data generator cost because right. I'm, I'm putting it in someone else's data center. Good point. And are you seeing that as well in the, in the SMB market? Most definitely. Um, they're looking – people actually understand that they need to look at the infrastructure, their, all the things that go – especially when you have a storm. I mean, we all see the same thing. As soon as the storm rolls through, we have a blackout, we get calls the next day. And then we have to go through the whole sales process of, of explaining what we do, how we do it, why we do it, how it benefits our customers, um, things that they can take, take back and, and look at. You know, why do we even have this stuff in-house? And, and roll it out. the cloud comes into that conversation very quickly? Every time. Every time. Every conversation. And what, what, what is the business owner's understanding of what the cloud is? Everyone is different. Depends on which commercials they sell. Mm -hmm. um, the cloud really for us uh, in the way that we explain it to customers, we can make it look how you want it to look. So if you want to have your own private piece where you're the only one that can see that stuff, great, this is what we can do. If you want to have your website public in, you know, data access, we can do that. Um, and then laying the security model on top of it to make sure that everything is protected the way you want it to. Mm -hmm. It's really, you, you got to go into it and you got to look at the entire picture of what they're trying to get into versus just saying, okay, well, we can do colocation or we can do cloud or we can do, you know, some some combination. Right. How, how does that conversation start for you, Phil? Well, you know, I, I think it's um, just to kind of piggyback some of Jason's comments here. I think um, one of the problems with the AWSs and the Azures out there is, you know, when you, when you, when you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? I mean, the old, the old statement. And, and uh, for Quantity One, you know, it might make sense for Azure, it might make sense for, for AWS, but when you're talking about these medium-sized businesses, small businesses, even enterprises who have their own definition of what cloud means and want to make that work for them, um, you've really got to figure out, you really got to understand what the customer wants and you really then talk about how do you make that work for them. So um, I think the cookie-cutter approach is really great at Quantity One, but when you get into Quantity 1001 or you've got a specific set of requirements around this is my secure data, and I don't ever want to have people look at it, and I want to make sure my, you know, from a legal perspective that's safe, or I want this data back someday. Those are issues where the, you know, the big providers aren't really going to be flexible because unless you're Procter & Gamble or Colgate Palmolive or one of those companies or Cardinal Health, it's, it is what it is. And I think, um, and so, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to people about what do you mean by cloud and why, you know, what, what is it you're really looking for in cloud. And mm -hmm. really at the end of the day, what they're looking for is a managed service or a platform that I can take and use as my own and use it on, a, on an on-demand basis. So I pay a little bit today and I pay, if I use more tomorrow, I want to pay more, but I want to be able to go back down and pay less, you know, the following day when I don't need that resource anymore. So, um, but a lot of it is really talking about what you want, the cookie cutter 
go online and just go buy you know X amount of dollars of storage or X amount of dollars of that works in certain instances, but for a medium-sized business, and we have we work with a lot of medium-sized businesses, that doesn't work for them. One, they don't understand it. Two, their requirements change from day to day or month to month, um, and, and so uh, so we have a, a very long conversation around how you know what is it you want, what is it you need, and again, if you think about the fact that they don't have a lot of expertise, people who know how to do VMware or, or Hyper-V and those kinds of things, because they've made investments that they got they, they want to leverage. Move those on, and so those are things that that, that uh, a, a full service data center like ourselves, like Fairnet, you know, are able to, to do. I know you moved to Colo, so I didn't include you in that. But I think those are the kinds of things that that that, that that's the value they get from a local data center or regional data center. And and do you find, Graham, that companies that you are talking to, prospective clients, are they are they do, are they kind of uh, waiting in, or are they doing wholesale changes in terms of? Uh, Who's selecting you as a service provider, utilizing uh, your data centers, utilizing your assets, or are they they kind of stepwise walking into that? Yeah, um, I think, and it, it depends on the segment, obviously. I mean, Cologix, um supports enterprise, financial, media, cloud providers, um, and network providers is our core segments. We've been talking mostly about the enterprise. Um, yeah. in, in those cases, our, those customers are looking for a place to make a five-year decision to locate their own. They, they're customers that know they are going to have their own servers. They need a secure and reliable place to put those servers for a five-year window. And they know that within that five-year window, they're going to need to make choices and evolve with the cloud market. Um, I think Phil is right in that there are, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all cloud solution. But I do think that, you know, the success of the Azure's and the AWS's in the marketplace demonstrate a broad reach from the very largest customers down to very small customers. So that it is fulfilling a very important need in the market. And ultimately, the cloud, as we look at it, is just a, is a shared set of, of, of compute and storage resources that formerly fit in a server. Now we're breaking them into smaller components and selling those components on a service basis rather than on a CapEx basis. So really, that's about efficiency. And so the customers that come to us are looking for ways to tap into that efficiency and know that it could change over time. And so they, you know, we get, how, do you, how can you connect me to AWS and Azure? How can you connect me to a range of other niche providers? And how do you make sure that I'm not going to get stuck with any one of those decisions over time, that I'll be able to change them with very low cost to me? Um, and, and that's the conversation we have. Um, there are many times where we have enterprises who are deploying with us their entirety, the entirety of their IT um, deployments, um, but they're only doing it because they know that they'll have options to, to migrate to other third-party cloud providers over time. And for the uninitiated, AWS and Azure? Microsoft and Amazon. Microsoft and Amazon Web Service, you guys. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, what are some of the considerations that a company that's in the market and okay, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I know I need to make a change. What what should they be thinking about when they're looking at Serenet or any other organization? What what are the what are the key uh, buying criteria? Their business needs, and that really should be. I don't want to say the only thing they're looking at, but that should be one of the primary things. Um, does the company that you're looking at working with do they offer what you need to run your business? 
can they manage the services? Can they work with you and help you transition from your in-house or any other model to where you're successful? Mm -hmm. So whether that's cloud, whether that's colo, whether that's um, a combination or using multiple providers, uh, AWS, uh, as you're going back to those topics, um, you should be able to use them all together. And there's no reason why you can't connect everything. You can have the, the resilience to you know, transition from central, just processing in Central Ohio to doing it all over the world. So it's really just finding someone that they can work with, and that, that the expert. That's what they should be looking for, in my opinion. So, Phil, I'm a, a CIO or um, a CFO. What, what should I be listening for when you walk into my office uh, in, in that vein of, you know, asking the right business questions? And what should be uh, potentially on my radar as warning signs uh, <laughs> when, when someone walks into my office and tells me they have the solution that I need? Uh, well, well, you know, it's... From a selling perspective, when we go and talk to CIOs and CFOs and VPs of IT and those sorts of people, um, you know, it's about understanding the requirements. It's understanding of you know what are your requirements, what are you trying to get to, um, and they're going to want to know about. They need to be thinking about okay, what's what's your infrastructure, what's your building look like. Um, it, it always it always surprises me when people buy a service from me. And I have had this who've never been in my building. I. I Man, you're, you're, you know, yes, I can show you a video of it, but I mean, I, I think you'd want to come see my building. Uh, you know, are, is there a leak in my data center? I mean, there isn't, but I mean, you know, they, I think you want to kick the tires a little bit. Um, you know, but look at the, look at the building. Um, understand the infrastructure. You know, is, is what's your networking like? How's that work? What's your security profile? Um, you know, what are you going to do in terms of, of disaster recovery? I, I think the security piece is one that we're starting to hear more and more and more about is how do you... How are you going to wall off my stuff and make sure no one else is going to get to it? So we're looking at things like micro networks within our own data center to kind of cut those things out. And so we, you, you have less and less risk, right? Um, you know, price is always going to be a determiner. I mean, let's be honest. If, if, if they can't afford it, and they're not doing this because it's going to cost more in most cases. I mean, sometimes people do, but in most cases, it's really what, what's the price? And so... Um, so I would look for, understand what's the building look like, what's the, what's, what's, what's the, what are the assets like there, who are the people and what's their programs in terms of maintaining those processes. Do they have the right certifications? Mm -hmm. right? Are they SOC 2 certified? You know, are they PCI compliant if that's important to you? Those kinds of things. Um, I think you want to look at, uh, you talk to other customers. I think you want to talk to those folks. Sort of folks. Um, understand processes. Um, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, but at the end of the day, people are going to want to know pricing and then all the other things that they want to do that will get you there. And I think the other thing we talk to customers about is what is your entire view of your IT world? Are we the production facility? Are we the backup facility? If you're going to have a backup environment, you know, what are the rules around being, you know, where's your backup going to be for your data center? Uh, I think some people think they they buy a data center service, they're getting backups too, and, and or, or in terms of disaster recovery. And you gotta have that conversation of what exactly are they buying and what do they get for that, right? You know, so I, I think people, uh, we've never had any real situations where we said, hey, we're, we're a production environment, we're just your production environment, we're not your disaster recovery environment. You need to figure out how you're gonna do that. There's two different services that you buy them. So, I mean, I think those are kind of different. And, and to you, Graham, what, what, what's the best 
you know, what's a AAA partnership look like? What's, what's a good client, you know, service provider relationship look like? When's it working really well? Sure. Well, I mean, I think Jason and Phil hit the, hit the nail on the head in terms of where the conversation starts, which is good relationships start where you're su the supplier and the customer's interests are aligned and they're working to fit the business. From our perspective, that starts with a, a company deciding how bad a day will it be if my systems don't work. And that varies by company. Some companies are, would be fine if their systems went down for an hour a day and it, business would continue to flow. Increasingly, many companies say, not okay, uptime all the time, my systems are mission critical to my business, which means if my systems are down, I'm not selling, I'm not collecting money, and I lose touch with my customers. And for those customers, um, the key, the key, there are three key elements that I, I think our customers um, are checking when they come to see us. One is they want to see the infrastructure. Um, we, we really encourage tours in the same way Phil does. Come look, and you should be asking, if, you, if your applications are mission critical, Come see what's backing you up. Come look at the UPSs. Make sure there's an A and a B UPS. Come look at the generators. Make sure there's an A and a B generator. Come look at the cooling equipment. You can tell very quickly the level of investment that a, a data center operator puts into their data center and supporting their customers by looking at the infrastructure. So that's one. Number two is um, before we get to the price conversation about the services, we talk about how a deployment works both from cost and savings perspective. So a lot of our customers are looking to come to us to access 50 network choices in one location and pawn the networks off one another, in many cases driving their network costs, their network spend down by 20 or 30 percent. So right there, in most cases, a lot of our customers are paying for their colo by saving on the network, which is a great trade because then you get all the benefits of the colo. The third thing that's really important to many of our customers is scalability. I know as a business owner what I want my business to do, which is go up and to the right, and I don't want to get stuck with my, my colo provider not having enough space and infrastructure and investment to grow with me. And so that's one of the key questions we get at people coming to where, and they say, okay, I see where you're going to, this big cage where you're going to put me now, where do I go next? How, do I, how am I sure and, and convinced that I can grow without having to, it's painful to unbolt all of those servers, turn them off, put them in a truck, move them across town. That's the moment that all of our customers are hoping to avoid. Um, and so those are the three things that our customers are looking to us to answer. And when we do, that starts a very interesting partnership. And, and what's the what's the forward thinking look? So you're you know when you're talking about all right, what do we look like five years from now or eight years from now? What, what's you know what's on the horizon? Or what are the conversations that you're starting to have as it pertains to your service? Sure. I mean, two things. One is their own equipment, uh, customers' own equipment is getting more efficient. And so then there's a question of not sure what my power utilization is going to be, what my space requirements, what my space requirements are going to be as I do my own virtualization, my own equipment. So how do you how do you be flexible with me up and down? Um, and then it comes back to the cloud. And I don't know today as an enterprise how much uh, of my infrastructure I'm going to outsource to the cloud. I don't know who my suppliers are going to be. I don't know what suppliers are going to be in the market, frankly, in three years. Things change so quickly. And it comes back to the notion of when you outsource a data center, when you build a data center, it's impossible um, to not think about that day. Where, what if I have to move? What if, 
that's a bad day. And so how do I future-proof? How do I set myself up to take advantage of all of the choices that will be out there without having to pick up my servers and move them somewhere else? Mm -hmm. And and um, I, I we actually revel in the notion that you don't have to know what the future looks like. You just have to have all the tools to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Until former CompuServe days, we've gone over the past few decades from in-source, outsource, in-source, outsource. Are those days over? Is the cloud finally uh, taking us to the promised land? Well, you know, I've been, I've been around long enough to know that, you know, this, these are, there are cycles for these things. And I think people will look at things of, you know, this is important data and maybe I might. So, so I, I, I think the point is, what's your crystal ball look like? And I think right now it's hard for me to figure out 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the cloud gives a lot of people, you know, the cloud is just out. I mean, time sharing in the 70s and 80s is the cloud today. I mean, it really is. And, and so, you know, when I first got out of college, that's why I sold timesharing for CompuServe. I mean, that's what I did. Um, so, you know, so I feel like we've been here before. We know what some of the questions are going to be. Um, I think the thing that's interesting now with the cloud, though, is access anywhere at any time. The Internet wasn't around when we were selling timesharing. So I think it's very, very interesting. So maybe this is the time when, you know, we're going to have all of our data in multiple places. Now, I don't think most enterprises think that way yet. I think they think there's certain applications that make sense to go out there. I think there's uh, some things I'm saying, I'm never going to let you have this because this is the crown jewels of my infrastructure, of my, of my company, and i got to make sure that data is secure. Um, so I really think this notion of a hybrid cloud is the reality of the future still. Um, you know, there's some things I'm always going to want to have here because I have to. There's going to be some things there that aren't strategic for me to have anymore or are, are better served by being out distributed and available out in nature, if you will, so to speak. So I think we'll see that. Um, I think we talk... We talk a lot to customers about the same things that, that Graham's been mentioning in terms of the future. How do you future-proof? We talk, and, and our services are a little bit different, but we talk a lot about replatforming for the future, right? Some people are on AS400 platforms. They know eventually that platform will die. So, and again, if you think about the AS400, that's a, that's a medium-sized business platform. And so we see a lot of people who are bringing that platform to us and saying, Joe is retiring a week from Tuesday, and there's no one else... Ohio State's not graduating. Anybody that says, I can't wait to work on the I-Series. And so what do you do? So we buy them time to figure out what they want to do. So I think part of this, in, in our case, is buying them time while they figure out what they want to do in terms of some of these platforms. And how do they replatform for the future? We can help them replatform. They can bring in their own consultants. We can go from colo to manage to cloud. You know, so I think um, you know, when we talk to people about looking at the future, we give them a lot of options and a lot of choices in the same building, and so we've done that a lot. And I think that's, and again, I think that's the value of looking at outside, outsourced data center solutions, is that I may be here today, and I want to be there tomorrow, well, we give you flexibility to be in all those places, and in all of them at the same time, if you will. So that, that's really what people are finding so, value from. So there's a, there's, a, there's a recount going on in Wisconsin because there, <laughs> there's a suspicion that the machines, the election machines, were hacked. Um, and, uh, you know, security in general, you know, you hear about breaches on a daily basis. So to what extent is that coming into the conversation? And uh, if I'm a CFO, you know, I'm naturally uh, concerned about risk management. So uh, how, do you, how do you have that conversation? And how do, where does that conversation go? I'd say just about every single conversation. That's what it centers around. Whether you're looking at doing uh, any type of service with, outside of your business scope, 
um, HIPAA compliance, PCI compliance, um, combinations, uh, IRS 1075, which is taxpayer data. There's all these different levels of layers of compliance, risk management, basically. Um, you have to understand them. You have to understand how, from our standpoint, I'm sorry, from a mm -hmm. service provider standpoint, you have to understand them. You have to understand how it affects their business, the cu customer's business. Um, it's just every conversation is around security, it seems like. Once you get outside of the, you know, the infrastructure, once you get out, once the customer accepts that they shouldn't be in the data center business, which I can't imagine, I, I don't understand why any business would build a data center when there's people that their entire business is around data centers. Stick with your business. Mm -hmm. And do, do you tailor security solutions, uh, cybersecurity solutions, like you tailor any other solution, depending upon the application and depending on, on your client? Yeah, so at Cologix, our focus is really on the infrastructure and the environment. We provide um, the space in which our customers will then build their own IT environment. Mm -hmm. we, we make sure that our environment is entirely secure from a physical perspective and a process perspective. Um, you know, we have SSA 16 compliance, SOC 1, SOC 2, all of those things that, that, you, you, that CIOs, CTOs, and CFOs should look for as they're thinking about data centers. But we stop there. So our view is that ultimately for the, the enterprises and businesses that are really um, security um, focused, they're, they're never going to trust someone else to do their, their logical security for them, certainly not the, the data center operator, in our view. So um, we provide a secure environment where no one is going to get in to touch your equipment, no one's going to get in to touch your, the connections that connect your equipment to someone else. But beyond that, it's really up to the customer to then bring in their own expertise, whether theirs or outsourced, to make sure that their environment, from a logical perspective and network perspective, is fully secure. Now. Certainly, we have expertise that will help. We'll, we'll suggest um, ways, best practices that we've seen. But um, we think there's, an in, there's a line there where you layer on top new expertise. And ultimately, a lot of what we focus on in our business is doing what we're really good at and making sure that other people do what they're really good at and not trying to blur those lines. You're nodding your head, Phil. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I talk about being an onion, right? I mean, the security is really an onion, and there are certain layers here. We spend a lot of time particularly the medium and small businesses we serve, explain to them where security lies, right? Because if we're just the colo, the infrastructure will be secure. If we're going to manage the platform, the operating system will be secure. If it's their application and they haven't written their application to be secure, there's still a risk to them. And so, you know, you can outsource some of your risk to me, and I have insurance, and I have processes, and I have all those things to do those. But you have to understand where that line of demarcation is in terms of what I'm responsible for and what they're responsible for. And it's really important to be clear about that. And we, we, we're, so I use that onion analogy because it just helps them understand a little bit more about, you know, here's what I'm going to own and here's what you're going to own. And um, Because I, I think, um, and we've had CISOs come in, you know, chief information security officers, and, and look at our infrastructure. And we want that. We encourage that. Um, but I think... Uh, Concern I have is some people feel like they've outsourced all of that, and you, it's really hard. There, I, I can't tell you there's a, a single customer that I have in my data center. It's 100% outsourced to me, their security, because it's, a lot of it's their application at the end of the day. 
and that, you know, if your programmer hasn't programmed it correctly, you know, something could be exposed. So we spend a lot of time understanding the line demarcation, telling them where we, where we will guarantee and make guarantees and, and are responsible from a dollar's perspective and where they're responsible. But, it's, um, but yeah, but I, I think that's also one of the advantages, though, is that, you know, we, we have expertise in securing certain specific infrastructure, operating systems, those kinds of things. But at some point in time, they need to know where that line of demarcation is. Mm -hmm. right. In the contracts, outside of the contracts, um, it's one of the most difficult pieces mm -hmm. because there's always someone that thinks that they should be getting more than what they're contracted to do. Mm -hmm. And do you find yourself in, in, in the room with other service providers uh, when you're having, you know, larger roadmap discussions uh, or, or larger strategic discussions about where we're going with, with this client? Uh, I mean, we, we have other different types of service providers. I mean, first of all, we have vendors, right? You know, we have, we have multiple networks. Sure. We, we provide, you know, so we invite our vendors into those conversations. Um, you know, I think in, in, in lots of cases, we have situations where we're the production environment, and a data center in Las Vegas is a disaster recovery environment. We have we have some partnerships that we help there too, but we we invite those conversations. We have that situation where the other side, where the disaster recovery component, they're the production component. We talk about road mapping with the customer and how are we gonna you know how do we get to the next level. Sometimes it's done together. Sometimes it's done separately. Um, it's certainly easier to do it separately. But uh, but again, I, I you know I mean Jason and I have had talked about things. There, there's the good news is there's lots of excuse me there's lots of opportunity around in this business today, and so um, I'm glad we've got a lot of providers in the marketplace. I mean, it allows us to, to educate our customers better. There's services that some are better doing than others, and so you know we work hand in glove with some providers. Um, I know a lot of the, you have to. I mean, I think it's it's I think it's a flaw, right? And so you know I know some of Killogic salespeople. Matter of fact, some of them used to work for me years ago. <laughs> Um, it, you know, so we have those kind of relationships. Yeah, I mean, for us, we take um, more of an ecosystem approach, um, and it's uh, frankly one of the things that, that we find as a strength, which is we, because we focus entirely on the data center aspect, the colo aspect, providing secure um, space, redundant power, and the connectivity, and we don't get into higher layer services, we're able to bring in service providers and customers of ours who want to sit in our data center for the express purpose of being able to sell our enterprise customer services. Um, and that happens on the cloud side in terms of cloud services, managed services, and certainly network services. And so when we have conversations with uh, customers who are interested in buying those services, instead of bringing one party to the table and saying, here's our partner, we'd like to give you the roadmap discussion, we're able to extract from the end user what they're interested in and be, and then introduce them to a variety of, of options that we think would best suit them. Um, and so that's really a core of our neutral ecosystem strategy, which is to give our customers maximum optionality, maximum um, connections and introductions so that we essentially become a conduit for them finding what's best for their ultimate solution today and then in the future because um, we're able to effectively help them switch from one provider to another by changing a cross connect. And so that's, that has become very compelling to some customers. Other customers are 
They want one throat to choke. They want one person to provide an entirely wrapped service. Um, and in those cases, sometimes they'll go to one of our providers as the as a key integrator, and sometimes they'll go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, but that our approach is that neutral ecosystem. Let, let's talk about Columbus specifically. I mentioned we're, it, it appears we're the largest uh, in terms of data centers in Ohio, mm -hmm. but we're really, we're a second tier market. So, what, what are the advantages of of having your data center service provider in, in a place like Columbus versus New York or Chicago or well, you know, I guess first of all, let's talk about just the, the natural resources component of this thing, weather. We don't, you know, we have earthquakes, we, you know, we don't have uh, hurricanes, we don't have uh, a ton of flood, I mean, we have an occasional tornado, but, but you know, we, when you look at really the, the weather here uh, and the natural resources environment here, it's a great place to have. I mean, I, you know, if you build a data center in San Andreas Fault, that, that's going to be a problem. Uh, I think we also have uh, the infrastructure here is fairly new. I mean, buried telephone lines, buried electricity lines, those kinds of things uh, helps. I mean, you know, I lived in New York City for 10 years and, and you know, over you know, all kinds of problems out there. So, you know, so, so, so people who are doing those things in the East Coast, if you're going to be doing the right kind of infrastructure, you're, you're spending a lot of money digging up things and replacing things and, you know, redoing things. And, and so I think we get to talk about the, the burden of, of overheads in the data center business. I mean, there's still a cost component to this, to this business. And so I think if you look at those markets, you have that piece of it. So I think there's that. Um, I think the fact that uh, when you look at the, uh, the people, and this is a very well-educated market here. So we do get resources. We're able to find resources. So you're able to expand. You've you got great natural resources. You've got people resources that are here. Um, you know, I think uh, I think we're finding more and more uh, people are saying, "Hey, this is from the cost of an economy perspective. That's that's good." I think there's there's a lot of great reasons why Central Ohio is a great market. I'd answer that maybe two ways. The first is, and it's it's really a function of where are the customers coming from. Our our experience talking to customers in Central Ohio is that for too long there hasn't been enough supply of data centers of of good quality data centers that could that those enterprises could see themselves outsourcing to in market, and so they've had to go to other markets. I mean, I, the the number of times that I hear about Columbus businesses that want to do business in Columbus that would prefer their data centers to be in <coughs> Columbus or the region are have you know had to make a decision five years ago to go to Chicago, which is, was a really a false choice at that point. So that's one. I think there's natural demand within this region that is looking to come home. And that's a, that's a function of supply in the market. For demand coming from other markets into Columbus, all the natural um, resource comments that Phil made are spot on. There's also the fact that Columbus has more population within a 10-hour drive of any other city in America is important. Important for two reasons. One, it's proximate to eyeballs. So as you think about how bits, whether it's content going to to Netflix boxes at home or cloud, how those bits move across the network, um, having that access to those end eyeballs is really important. And so you're starting to see more and more cloud companies and content companies looking at Columbus as a place where they need to put some of their infrastructure. Um, and then lastly, from a disaster recovery perspective, having for those companies that need to have multiple market deployments, Columbus makes a lot of sense as an alternative to East Coast and an alternative to West Coast deployments because it's central, 
Um, it's not, it doesn't have the same sort of environmental risks that a Chicago does, not um, yet as, um, uh, well, that all the tier two, all, all the tier one markets have a, a degree of environmental risk. And Columbus sits at the fiber crossroads of the state, which makes it uh, more valuable from, a, from accessing um, all of those networks and getting the best service, the best price, the best SLAs. When you have all those networks in one place, um, that creates additional opportunity for those, those enterprises to access them. That must be great for your business when you see more competition coming into the market. I've always thought that if you have a lot of competitors, that means you're in a great industry. So. Correct. And a prime example is the Amazon data centers. Uh, there's a reason they built here. The people, the utilities, the, the costs, um, the infrastructure's in place. There's business here. There's, um, it opens up a lot of doors, and it really opens up a lot of conversations, too, because people start thinking about it then. They see this, and next thing you know, you're getting calls from people in Cleveland. You're getting calls from people in Chicago. You're getting calls because they're, they're looking at it, and they're saying, well, if they're going there, then there must be something good there. And what about the municipalities? So the state, local, even federal you know, government, uh, how, how does that help or, or hinder your business? It's interesting. Um, and, and it opens up, a, once again, a lot more questions. Um, there's a lot of incentives that are going out for these large data centers. Um, and no one really knows how it's going to play out because it really just started a couple years ago. So you've got places that are putting out hundreds of millions of dollars of tax incentives for a data center with 20 employees. So there's not a, a large tax revenue, you know, income tax revenue off of that, but there is a lot of infrastructure investment. Mm -hmm. It's going to play out over the next 10, 15 years, and you're going to see um, a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what those changes are going to be, but there's going to be changes. You have to. Because in 10 or 15 years, a lot of these data centers are pretty much hazardous waste because mm -hmm. you got to take it out, you got to pull it out, you got to put in new equipment, all the replacements. Is that going to be tax abated? Is it just an ongoing cycle? Mm -hmm. It's hard right. to say. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, we have an interesting perspective because we operate in a number of markets right. um, across the U.S. and in Canada. Um, I, I think the most fundamental driver for us that we see is how friendly a, a local and state is to um, a growth economy. And I think um, in, our, in our experience, Ohio's done a very good job of that, of creating an environment for growth, to bring in new businesses, to bring in investment from existing businesses into Ohio. Um, and ultimately, that creates a customer base. So we, we think, um, you know, through the work of Jobs Ohio and others, um, there are very good things happening here. Um, I do think that from a tax incentive perspective, we're still in the early innings of states and local governments figuring out the right way to incent and what they want to have on the on you know, the outcome of those incentives to be. Um, and certainly, our perspective is that data centers provide important infrastructure to the local economy, where you may that may drive growth in direct jobs in the data center, but it certainly, if done right, will drive efficiencies that ripple throughout the local economy. Um, and so, I think. Um, as states and local uh, governments think about what they want to incentivize, 
they should be thinking about the, the metrics and the outcomes that they're looking for. Some of that may be direct jobs, but a lot of it in the successful states, in state incentives we've seen is about investment in, about capital investment into a local economy. And once you get that, the benefit come, come through. It, it's, it will continue to see. Um, we, we don't make our decisions exclusively based on, um, on incentives um, mm -hmm. from state and local governments. Ultimately, we want our data centers to sit where the, the businesses and the networks sit. Um, and the incentives are interesting um, drivers of, of decisions on the side note. How about from an infrastructure standpoint, uh, fiber optic, uh, from what the city's doing, what the state's doing? Phil, can you touch on that and kind of your thoughts on where we are on a scale of 1 to 10 and where you think we're going? Uh, well, I, th I think there's been a lot of infrastructure built here. I mean, we had Time Warner here and, and, and the fiber tech stuff here. Uh, you know, back in the days when the Nationwide Arena was being built and all those sorts of things, there was a great dark fiber, set the dark fiber rings built around uh, Columbus. So I think there's a great core infrastructure here today. Uh, I think those investments are paying off the people who've made those investments. And so I think because of that, there's going to be more investment because mm -hmm. of that. So I, I, you know, so I think the future is great in terms of the infrastructure that we would need to have to connect businesses and getting data back and forth. Um, I think the... Um, if you look at some of the sub suburban areas making investments in their own networking, uh, I think it's certainly good when you think about the homes here. And, you know, and the question really is, where is this data and information being delivered out of your data center? Um, some of it's homes, some of it's businesses. And I think the, the, the suburban areas here have made the right kind of investment so that homes are, 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 are being you know, lit up with the appropriate technologies that, that allows, allow us to deliver content or allow our customers to be delivered content from our data center. So, mm -hmm. right? I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great market, and there's been the right type of investment and, and some, a lot of foresight by a lot of people here in terms of how are we going to continue to make this, this market grow and be effective for the residents and for the businesses that are here. Great. What does Serenet look like in five years? Uh -oh. um, we're doing a lot more managed services now than we did five years ago. Um, our clients are looking for someone to help them navigate their IT platforms and help them put things in place that run their businesses. We are primarily a small, medium-sized business. That's our primary uh, customer. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really taking on the role of, of the IT experts. Now, does that mean that we provide other services? Most definitely not. But we can help at least point them in the right direction, saying, okay, well, let's have this system run here. Let's run this system over here. Here's how we're going to secure everything. Here's how it's going to communicate. Um, here's your path for growth mm -hmm. and change. If it goes up, this is what you do. If it goes down, this is what you do. And really taking on that, that managed service. Any change in uh, size, physical location? Um, all the above. All the above. We've been bringing on some people now um, on the customer support, customer that initial interface. Mm -hmm. uh, we use a lot of contractors for managed services mm -hmm. because we don't always need a, a VoIP um, expert. Right. But when we do, we need to know who we're going to contact and who we're going to contact. So, so we're going to be adding probably uh, 
another, we'll probably double in size from headcount this year. Terrific. Bill, you've had some news this year. What, you know, what, uh, new location and. Yeah. Yeah. No, so we'll continue to, we'll, we'll, we're excited about the market opportunity. I think our growth will be broader than Central Ohio. Um, I think, um, you know, when we look at our customer, you know, we, we have small, medium, and large enterprises in our, in, our, in our data center today. Medium seems to be a big spot for us in terms of people looking to grow and continue to grow. Uh, I think people want diversity in terms of location, and if they can get that through one provider, they would like to have that. And so, um, so we'll, you know, if I look five years in the crystal ball, we'll likely have other locations outside of Columbus. Um, you know, I'm not thinking it'll be San Francisco or, or Las Vegas, but I, you know, could see Indianapolis or Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or some markets where people want to be serviced, but they want to be serviced in different ways. And I think, um, you, you know, Grandma talked earlier about people wanting to be in the markets that, you know, they want their stuff in their market where they live. I think that's true. There is something about being able to hug your server occasionally, right? And so uh, whether it's here for a production environment and then Indianapolis for my backup environment, a three-hour drive is a reasonable drive that's safe and secure and gives them all the options in terms of diversity that they would need. So we're, so I think we'll, we'll certainly continue to grow at a fairly large pace, a fairly quick pace. I think our services seem to be uh, resonating well with the clients we work with. Uh, we still see legacy uh, platforms as being critically important to people. They don't, you know, they've made those investments. They're not going to get rid of those investments tomorrow. So they need a path to get to what they really want to get to over a five or ten year period. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see diversity in our, in our, in our locations over time. So very excited about what the market's doing. And Graham, we've been writing about your expansion here in Columbus. You acquired uh, this location a couple of years ago? Yeah, we acquired datacenter.bz, which had a long history um, in the Columbus area. We acquired that business in early 2014 um, and have started our 160,000 square foot expansion, um, and which we expect to be um, live by the end of Q3 or beginning of Q4 of this year. Um, put a lot of planning into it. We're excited to see that building going up right now. Ultimately, um, Columbus is a very important growth market for Ecologics within our platform. Um, we see a, a big opportunity to provide um, the, the supply and the scale that many of the businesses in Columbus have not had the, the opportunity to take advantage of to this point. Um, and so our expansion is about presenting that scale with the, the robustness and resiliency of the infrastructure and the most connected location, frankly, in the state um, to provide all those benefits of future proof. We also see um, more and more networks coming to Columbus and more and more cloud service providers coming to Columbus. Um, and we've, we have a unique perspective based on operating in markets like Minneapolis, Jersey, and Dallas of how to bring those those players in, which just provides more opportunity for the consumers of those services here. And, and so we we are very happy to be investing, um, and the plans call for $100 million plus of investment into Columbus, um, into that facility over the next three, four, five years. Um, and so we've made a big bet on Columbus, and we're really excited about how the market is, is evolving. And, and more than just supply, there are other bits of infrastructure that are important the internet exchange, you know, helping to launch Ohio IX, which we hope will become a, a, a jewel of the community. Um, those are the sorts of things that we continue to invest our time and energy into. Terrific. Yep.
All right. Well, I want to thank our table of experts uh, for being here this morning. Uh, Great conversation. Once again, uh, thanks for being here and uh, thanks for the the jobs and uh, what you do for the economy. It makes a difference and you're one of many cogs in the the system and we appreciate it. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you.